Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from City Harvest Church. To find out more about City Harvest, please visit chcus.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chcus. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise up in here now. Amen, amen. Come on, let's stand up and pray together before we begin the preaching. Father God, we thank you that this is uh, time not for us just to hear another message, not for us just to have another sermon imparted into our life, but Lord, this is a time for us to come closer to you, to know you. Lord, we pray for every person here that you would give us eyes to see really who you are. You would give us ears to hear your voice at another level today. You would give us a heart to perceive really who you are and what you want to do for us and in us and through us. And Father, we thank you that people didn't come here today to see a man. They came here to hear from you. And I'll say it again. The people don't need to hear my voice. They need to hear your voice. They don't need my touch. They need your touch. So Father, I try to get out of the way today and let you touch your people Speak through me, touch through me. Lord, let people's eyes be open to the goodness and the glory of the Lord. And Father, we are not changed by the messages, sermons of men, but we're changed by the glory, the glory of God. So show us your glory today. We ask for it, Holy Spirit. Be the revelator, the parakletos to help us to know who God is. We do not know him. He is revealed to us. That's how we know him. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Some love over here now, amen. All right. All right, go ahead and be seated, amen. Are you excited? Oh, some of you are. The rest of you forgot to get your coffee this morning. You notice how small they're making the iPhone print nowadays, amen. (laughs) Amen. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 14. I want to share this scripture. You ever, you ever had a scripture that you read and read and, and read? John, 14, John 1 14 is a scripture like that for me in my life. I've read it and it's just a part of it just used to bug me and bug me and bug me all the time because I couldn't figure it out. And I prayed and I, I believe there's certain revelations that God holds for certain seasons of your life. Because if you got it too soon, you wouldn't value it the right way. And so here's a revelation here. Listen to this. Uh, The Bible says this in verse 14. It says, and the word, talking about Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Come on, amen. So it's not enough to be full of truth. You got to be full of grace and truth. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's the problem. Many of us have so much truth in our life, but we have not mixed it with grace. And so we have knowledge. We know scriptures. Come on. We have stuff memorized. We've read books. We've been to seminars. We can kind of repeat these truths. But because we've not mixed the truth with grace, it has not been able to transform our life. Oh, come on. Amen. So it's not enough for you to know the truth. And I have people say this to me, it always bugs me. Pastor Troy, this is my truth. There is no such thing as your truth. There's only the truth that you have to come under. Come on, amen. And I'm sorry, your truth doesn't matter. The truth matters. Full of grace and truth, 
And John bare him witness and cried, saying, This was he whom I spoke. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received grace for grace. Now, what is grace for grace? Grace for grace. Come on, now when we hear the word grace, it comes all the time preloaded with all these ideas because we are American Western Christians. Come on, amen? Everyone I say, oh, some of y'all back, he ain't going to preach another message on grace. Come on, I've heard that. It's unmerited favor, divine enablement. It's all these things we talk about. God, give me more grace. God, I need your help. I need the power of God in my life. And so we have these Western ideas about grace because the Bible, you got to understand this, the Bible wasn't written to you, it was written for you. Oh, yes. And this is why things confuse us in the scriptures. Because the Bible wasn't written to you, it was written to Middle Eastern people. It was written to people of a certain culture. Most of our Western culture has nothing to do with biblical culture. And so, so many things in the Bible, when we read it, goes over our head because Jesus was speaking to Jews. He was speaking to a culture that he didn't have to qualify everything. And so, when we read it, we automatically preload our culture into it. And it's the same thing with this word grace. I want you to understand this is very powerful truth is that you cannot understand the scriptures in your own ability. This is the mistake we make. And this is why we miss many things as we're reading the Bible, is because we think, oh, I know what that means. And God is good, so he'll let you take a little bit and scrape the surface. Come on, amen. And it'll bless you, and you'll have a good time in the Lord. Amen. But it won't have the power, because there is always a deeper Meaning. I heard people say this, the Bible will answer all your questions. No, it won't. I don't know about you, every time I go in the deep Bible study, I come out with more questions. (laughs) The Bible's not designed to answer questions. The Bible's designed to present you with truth. Come on, amen. Amen. And the more truth you have, the less questions you will have. But if you go looking for answers to questions, you're going to come out with more questions. Come on, amen? And so the correct way to read the scripture is to ask, when you come across a scripture you don't understand, is to say, God, what question is this scripture trying to answer? Then the Holy Spirit can give you the answer, the truth. Now, I travel all over the world, and I have seen this, and it breaks my heart. I've seen the believers on every continent of this world. I've been to churches all over the world. I I, I tried to calculate at one point, and it was over a thousand different churches I'd visited so far, my 28 years of full-time ministry. And I've been to 53 nations and preaching the gospel. And let me tell you the truth that I've seen, that many believers are struggling. 
struggle. Struggling in different areas of their life. But I have rarely met believers that are just like all of us sitting in this room that aren't struggling in some area of our life. So I know my God, my Father, He wants to answer that. He doesn't, He didn't design this life for us to have a constant struggle. He designed this life for us to be able to weather our problems in peace and break through. Come on, amen? Give us abilities and things that we need. And this is where grace comes in. But we have to understand what is grace. Now, the word grace is the word cherish in the scriptures. And here's where we miss it. Because we look at cherish and we don't understand. When Jesus was speaking, when Paul was speaking about cherish, grace, he was not talking about beliefs. He was talking about a system of how things operated in the culture of Jerusalem and of Judea. So if you wanted to open a bakery, you couldn't just open a bakery. Come on, amen. You would have to know someone. You'd have to, you'd have to know someone and you'd have to go to that person who was wealthy and influential and you'd have to say, hey, I would like to open a bakery and I need from you cherish. And so what they would do is they would give you capital. They would, they would cut the red tape. They would make sure that you could get into the building and that you wouldn't have to pay all the regulations and the bribes. And they would use their influence and their power to help you. And they would give to you cherish. Enablement, power that you couldn't get in your own ability. But only in America do we think that gifts come without strings. That's an American thing. We're adamant about that. Come on, amen. We give a gift and we're like, no, 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 no. You try to say, well, thank you. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, you don't have to say thanks. No, it's okay. I don't want to, We give God all the glory. We don't, we don't want anything from you. We don't want anything back. That's an American thing. That's not a... That's not an Arabic thing. That's not an Eastern thing. Let me tell you how this worked. I was a missionary. Chris is here. Chris and me used to be missionaries together in, in uh, Indonesia. And I think, Chris, you were there when this happened. We were, I, was, I had just come to Indonesia and taken over a team, and we were going to connect with this, uh, this man who had a huge network of churches all over Indonesia. Great guy. And I thought, wow, I'm going to meet him. And I want, in my thinking, gifts confirm relationship. Come on, Amen. So I was walking through the mall, and they had in this store these Mount Blanc pins. If you don't know Mount Blanc pins, they're very expensive. And they had these. They were just rock bottom, 70% off. And I thought, wow, I'll get this pin, and I'll give it to this pastor and say, I want to present this to you to say that we are grateful for you opening up churches to us, giving us an opportunity to minister and, and we want to connect. And so I remember we were in his office and all of his pastors were there to receive me and our team. And we were in the office and I thought, oh, this is a perfect moment in front of everybody to pull out this gift and to give it to him. So I pulled out this pin and I said, we brought you this as a gift. And I never forget the look on his face. When he opened up the pin, he looked at it, looked at me, looked at the pin, and then he put it aside. And I thought, my God, does this guy not like pins? 
and I never heard from him again. Now listen, he opened up all his churches, but I never met him again. And I tried. I couldn't understand why he didn't want to have a relationship with me. And it's like, maybe he's just that kind of guy. But it's like, just... and it wasn't until years later when I began to understand the Eastern culture that I figured out what I did. You see, when you give someone a gift that great that they cannot return, you obligate them. What, you, what I said in front of all these people is, I gave you this gift because I want to demonstrate that I'm greater than you. I gave you a gift you cannot return. So it was like I gave the gift to him and everyone in the room but me saw me go, mm. Letting you know I'm superior. That's how Eastern culture works. He knew, oh, you gave me this gift in front of my people. I cannot return a gift like this. So it's your way of putting me in my place. Because that's the way Eastern culture works. So when Jesus says, it's a free gift. Come on, you see the eye? Because this is what was known. You didn't have to explain this to the disciples and to the people. When Jesus says, you are saved by grace, cherish. Yeah, it's, it's a free gift. And you get it, right? Because I don't have to explain it to you. You, you know what this means, right? It's, yeah, it's, your, it's free. Freely I have given. And the, the understanding, if you were the baker in this story, is that your job would be to go into the marketplace and make this person's name great. You're supposed to tell everyone, this is who did it for me. You like the bag, you like the bread, oh, you need to know my patron, you need to know who gave me the cherish. You lift up their name. That's what you do. And then this is the other thing you do. When your patron who gave you cherish calls you, you come. When he says, I need you to put aside everyone else's order and make me some bread, then you make him some bread. And you don't come back with excuses about how you're busy and you got kids. Come on. And you won't have the time right now and you don't know how you're going to do it. But you, you don't go back to that patron and go, well, I'll pray about that. Because you're not going to get any more cherish. So the gift is free. But the obligation is you go into the marketplace. This was understood. And make the patron's name great. You tell people, this is how I got this. This person is incredible. And they have, they have done this for me out of the goodness of their heart. And there was no obligation. They're so kind. And they're so generous. And then in return, when that person calls you, you will understand. You come. You come and fulfill their request or else when you come again you will not have any more cherish now God is good amen? amen but many of us we have this western dysfunctional thinking about relationship with God that we can just take and take and take and take and God's going to keep giving and giving 
and we never have to do what we're supposed to do. And God in his goodness and his sovereignty will keep pouring out more grace, but then it's never quite enough. Because you're not walking in the fullness. It would be like this. If I went to Mac and Catherine's home, you know, and I came there, I had barely any clothes and nothing to eat. And, and so we came there and they said, oh, stay with me. And when I left, they took all these groceries, loaded up my car, gave me a new set of clothes and new shoes. And, and maybe they gave me a better car. And, and so I drive from Mac and Catherine's over <laughs> to our dear friend's house. And they say, hey. Where did you get those clothes? And I go, well, you got to be smart in this life. You got to know the right people. And well, I read it in a book. Or, you know, I've been really just praying a lot. And just breakthroughs are coming. And I never told them. What do you think would happen when Mac and Catherine heard what happened? Sean and Sophia met them, and they said, oh, Pastor Troy is doing so good, and he's so smart, and my God, his education is really kicking in now, and, and the people, the, the, wow, the, there's, there must be something special about, he's special, come on, amen, and I just let him think, oh, <laughs> it's all right, you know, all of us at uh, certain times are blessed, and What do you think? Yeah. What, what do you think would happen if I came back to our friends and I asked for more cherries, more grace? Come on, are you here? And the abundance of grace, come on, is what God wants to release to us. And but we can we can take a teaspoon, and that's why we're existing, surviving. That's why we're about, we're, we need a breakthrough. Stop thinking that you need breakthroughs. That's a wrong mentality. Because if you get one, you'll need another one. And then you'll need another one. And you've got to stop thinking in a breakthrough thinking. That's part of the problem. You're existing from one tragedy situation to another. Because you need to live a life of grace where there's a smooth flow and God is opening doors for you and things are supernaturally happening and grace is flowing and you didn't get this from some self-help Tony Robbins deal that you thought if I could just put everything together and do my morning meditations and my declarations and everything's going to work out and you forget that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of believers just like you out there, and they've read the books, and they've done all the stuff, but there is not an ounce of victory in their life because it's by grace we are saved. By cheris. We need more cheris. Come on, amen. Let's read it. Look at, look at this. Look at this. Here's the scriptures. Now, you know what cheris means. Let's read a couple of scriptures in the light of that now. Look at this. Look at this. Now, this is what it says. For the law was given, John 1, 17, by Moses, but grace and cheris, truth and cheris and truth came by Jesus Christ. But we believe, Acts 15, 11, that through the cheris of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. 
by whom we have in Romans 1.5 received cheris and apostleship for the abundance of faith among all nations. Romans 5.2, whom also we have access by faith into this cheris, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Romans 6.14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under cheris. You're under cheris. Many times we, we come under the law, and what a law is, is the law is designed for one reason. It was designed so that you couldn't keep it. That's why it's so complicated. Amen. And that's why we fail every single time when we choose law-type living. When we under the law, this is how you know you're operating under the law. When you're operating under the law, you are only concerned about two things. Your prayers, your faith is consumed with two things when you operate under the law. You know you're walking under the law because you are consumed with two things. You're consumed with provision and protection in your life. That's it. Every prayer is about provision. Help me, take care of me, get me what I need. I need this provision, 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 or protection. Heal me, uh, protect my children, protect what's mine. Don't let anyone take it, God. Don't let anything happen. As soon as the washing machine breaks, we call on the devil. The devil, we bind you. <laughs> and we immediately ascribe a broken washing machine to God. Why did you let this happen? Because we're concerned about protection. We don't just say washing machines break down. We don't call GE and go, get behind me, GE. <laughs> it's their fault. It's not God's fault. They made the thing. But somehow it's God's fault that a tire gets flat and car breaks down. You don't call GM and rebuke them. But you go to God and you say it's your fault. You let this happen. Why did you allow this to happen? Because we're consumed with provision and protection. And this is why grace eludes us. Because God doesn't give us grace for ourselves. He gives it so he can bring it through us to other people. Come on, are you here? And when you're living under the law and working under the law, it's all about your own provision. Everything is about that. That's why whenever it gets touched, you get angry and you go into emergency prayer. Because someone's messing with your provision. You don't have a father that doesn't matter what job you have or what's going on that has grace for you. Come on, amen. When you receive Cheris, the guy that got Cheris, he didn't worry about anything as long as he went out into the marketplace and lifted up that guy's name. There's more Cheris coming. As long as he came when they were called, he didn't have to worry about more Cheris. Cheris is coming. He didn't worry about his provision or his protection. He was being protected by the Cheris giver. So he could relax as long as he was doing his part in Cheris. He didn't have to worry about the law. He didn't have to worry about circumstances because the cherished giver was going to step in and take care of it for him. That's how you know you're living under grace. You know you have a father that has a fullness to give. Come on, amen. Let me tell you one of the biggest problems we have in the church in worldwide. And it's something I'm constantly, me and my wife, we're constantly 
reminding ourselves whenever it comes up in us, we're always dealing with this because it's, it started in a garden. It's the most diabolical thing the enemy ever did is to make you think and us think that God will not come when we call him. That we're all alone. That we're orphans. And in the church, here's what we have. We have a theology of sonship. And we have a culture of orphanhood. So we talk like children of God, but we behave like orphans. My father, my father. But if you, you knew your father, you would knew that he's full of cherish and truth. Every turn, he's full of cherish and truth. So we behave like orphans when we get hit situations and problems. We, fit, we are all alone. We have to go work it out. On our, we have to go make moves, do our thing. We have to do nothing wrong with working. We're not supposed to be back and, and be lazy. But at the same time, we have a certain point when you've done all, we stand in the cherish of God. We stand in God's cherish. We've done our part. We've worked. Someone lied. This has happened. We got an unexpected bill, something out of our control. But we do not stand in our own ability. We stand in the cherish of God. That's how I'm here. That's how you're here is by the cherish of God. So when we hit problems, we know if we're thinking like a son by the way we react when our provision is threatened and we don't feel protected. We move either in grace or we move under the law. They wear us out. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, say amen. amen. And people get religious. They, listen, I, I've done this so many times. We get, we get religious. And so, you know, something happens and we call an emergency fast. As if God doesn't see the problem. <laughs> we think we got to get his attention. And we got we to gotta go into a frenzy of activity. In order to make some, listen, there's times that God never promises. Listen, in this world, the Bible says that we shall have trouble. There's no getting away from trouble until you die. Amen. And the, the, the problems we have in our life are a direct result of the vision that we have for our life. Come on, amen. So you want quality problems, you got to get a quality vision. You want horrible problems, get a, you have a hard, if you have horrible problems in your life, it's because you have a horrible vision right now. Come on, amen? Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to get gas in my car. That's a, we have horrible vision. Yeah. Come on, amen? There's nothing wrong with those problems because it lets you know you are focused on the wrong things. That's why you have these type of problems. God promised us peace. He didn't promise us a life with no problems or else we wouldn't need grace. <laughs> Come on, amen? We wouldn't need his cherish. So we don't, don't think that the presence of problems is, means God's not with you and that you're not walking in cherish. That's not what this means. The kind of problem you have is connected to the kind of vision you have and what you're trying to accomplish for God. So when you get attacked for something, it's like, oh, I understand. I'm trying to change a nation. <laughs> Come on. This is the kind of problems you get. Amen. Hallelujah. We're trying to help hundreds of thousands of people stay alive over Mongolia. I, I used to have... $100 problems, now I've got half a million dollar problems. Come on, amen. But I remember when I had $100 problems, it was like, oh my God, it was horrible. 
Come on, amen. And now I got these kind of problems. It's like, well, I don't have half a million, but I got 300,000. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. We know the quality of our problem is connected to the quality of our vision. And this is why grace is not flowing because our vision is so tiny, we don't need but a little thimble full of cherries. I struggled more with that $100 problem than I do with half a million dollar problems. Because I've received more cherries. Now listen to this now. Let's get back to my scripture. John, come on. You know, the one that bugged me. <laughs> the one that got this sermon. <laughs> now listen to this. The Bible says that in his fullness, John 16, John chapter 1, verse 16, and of his fullness, that's important for you to understand, have we all received. Come on, amen? That means there's no restraint to the grace of God. Like the floodgates that we saw in the picture. That was a very powerful picture, please. The floodgates open of grace. And this is what, the, this is what John says. But, or and... It's grace for grace. Cherish for cherish. And we don't understand that just as much as we be God's cherish, God wants our cherish. He wants us to lay down our life for him. And give our life to him. As a, as a means to fulfill and build his kingdom. He doesn't need us. He wants us. Two different things. Two different things. That's a real revelation for me. God don't need me. Oh, but he does want me. Come on. He wants me to be a part of his plan for his kingdom. He wants me to experience him as a father. He wants me to know what it's like to walk as a son in the kingdom of God, not just for the provision and the protection, but for being a part of something so much bigger than us that gives our life real meaning beyond survival and beyond just getting better clothes, cars, houses, everything else that we'll just need more of that stuff. But when you have a purpose of God and you are given your life to him and laid it down and said, God, this is your life now. I give you my life. You've given me life through chairs. I give you my life. And here's what God does. When you give him your life, you give him chairs, then he calls when you, he comes when you call him. And he goes into the marketplace and makes your name great. Well, I don't want anything to do with that, but, but God needs your name to be great because that's how his name becomes great. He needs you to be promoted because he needs you in places of influence and power in the world. Come on, amen. And impacting the culture. He doesn't need you to be just a little, another little Lord's lamb. Just, I just a lover of Jesus. But the poor man's wisdom is despised. That means nobody cares what you think unless you are living a life of victory that other people aspire to. God needs us to be great. And this is what he says. Grace for grace. Grace for grace. Cherish for cherish. Lord, I want to I wanna come up. This is, 2019 is my year. Is it? It's grace for grace. 
God's going to promote. God's going to open doors. God's going to lift you, your ministry, your business, your family, everything that you're going through, lift you out, finally out, up and out into a place and elevate you because you have laid down your life. And when there are problems and you call him, he comes. You're not wandering around going, where's God? I can't feel him. I can't go. He's there. He's always there. But you can't see it because there's no grace to see it. It's grace for grace. But we can't sit up here, never win a soul, never lift up his name, never tell anybody that he's great. We don't go into the marketplace and we just, no one knows we're undercover Christians. God don't need no undercover Christians. I'm just going to let my light shine, but it ain't. And you go and you let people know, like, this is why. You want to know how I'm, and here, listen to this, James chapter 4. Listen, listen, James chapter 4. This, this is so powerful. James chapter 4, verse 6. Listen to this. Is it, is it up? Put it up, please. James chapter 4, verse 6. He says, this is what it says, but, but he giveth more great, more cherish. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives to the What cuts off Cheris is pride. And there is no pride like spiritual pride. That says, I got it all figured out. I know the Lord, so I don't got to consult him anymore. I know how to pray. I have faith. And all these things we comfort ourselves with instead of humbling ourselves when we hit problems and say there's no way out of this but to bend the knee. Because I need more grace right now. So I don't want to put my foot on the gas and Kick it up into another gear. It's all the things people say. We just got to work harder. But there's, you're, there's no way out of this. Wake up, man. There's no change in this in our own ability. I don't care where you go or how many life coaches you get or how many things you read. And you got to understand there's nothing wrong with educating yourself and being motivated and all these great things. But it doesn't change anything if you don't have the cherish of God. You will never get to the end of the road and go, I did it on my own. God will not allow that for a believer. He will not allow it. So he resists the proud. And I don't know about you, but there's been a few times in my life where God has been resisting me. And oh my goodness, you want to talk about some difficulty. This is the only place in the Bible that says, where God says he will oppose us. It's pride. Pride doesn't bring God into a neutral position where he doesn't do anything. It brings him in a position where he's actively working against you. Because he needs you to stop because pride comes before the fall. And your father loves you too much for your life to be destroyed. And if you think this is spiritual pride, that you can pray your way out, you can fast your way out of it. You can just, and you won't bend the knee and give him glory and go back and say, you know what? I've been missing out on giving God the praise and, and my friends haven't heard it enough and I've never shared the gospel. You know, this is a scary t t statistic. It's, it used to be 78. It just jumped up to 82% of believers have never won a soul. 
That's, that's ridiculous. But then we wonder why so many believers are struggling because they've never gone into the marketplace and lifted up his name. Because they need more grace. Pastor Troy, this sounds like a transactional relationship. It's not transactional, it's functional. Because you can't just take and take and not and expect God to keep giving and giving. Who does that? Weird people. Come on, amen. That's the only people who think that's normal. You have friends like that, they wouldn't be your friends much longer. You will see, oh, so-and-so's coming. I have people text me all the time, and I'm sorry to say, I'll look at some of those, oh, God. I love them, I love them, but you know they want something. And I'm big-hearted, come on, amen. And I love everyone, but I, 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 I don't want to be like that, but that's the way that they see the relationship. It's always, Pastor Troy, I need you to, <laughs> and I'm happy to do it, right? Come on, amen. But can you imagine our relationship with God? Do you think for a minute that God is going to let us have a dysfunctional relationship with him like that? Where there's no grace for grace. I'm telling you right now in this room, there's struggles, massive problems, habitual sin, things in your life, financial things that just continue, 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 things in your relationships, always broken, never being able to connect, and there's internal issues in our life that we've never been able to overcome. We're still struggling with the pain of our childhood that we should have been over by now because we've been to seminars, people have prayed for us, there have been amazing impact, and then there have been encounters with God, and all these things have happened, but you know what? It's not enough. You need Cheris to live like a victory all the time. Not that there won't be problems, but you'll, you'll just, you don't need breakthroughs because it, things just keep falling into place. I'm not sure how this happened. I don't know how we are where we're at right now. In our ministry, people ask you, how'd you do it? Did you read? Did you, what'd you read? What books are you reading? And I'm thinking, you think that came from a book? That gave me some good knowledge, but that book came to me because of grace. Come on, amen. Well, how did you meet so-and-so? I don't know. They helped change my life, but it's all grace. I didn't, I didn't do anything. And you want me to give you the blueprint. The blueprint is bend the knee. And grace will flow. God gives more grace to the humble that go out into the marketplace, touch lives in his name, win souls in his name, share his goodness with people. But when we're just focused on our provision and our protection and nothing else, we have no time to lift up his name. We're just going to keep coming for more and more grace all the time. There's no flow. Blessings. Just keeps coming. This is grace for grace. Grace for grace. And I want to present this to you as one of the keys for this year in 2019 for you, for things to begin to change. You can't change it by just declaring it's going to change. Your faith isn't going to change it. Come on, amen. Faith can move mountains, but then there'll be an... Come on, amen. There's always another mountain. Oh, hallelujah. Always. 
That's one thing I can prophesy. 2019 will have mountains. You'll move one, there'll be another one. Come on, amen. Because we're moving forward. We're not going to stay in the valley. Come on, we're going to keep moving. And this is why we need more grace. What is the key for you? You need more grace. You must have more grace. Your father is full of grace and truth. And if you just want truth, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get another message, another sermon, you get another word from God, another, another prophecy. But you have to take that and mix it with grace. I can't fulfill these words. I can't walk in these words without your grace. I can't do it in my own ability. I'm overcome. I'm overwhelmed. And that feeling of being overwhelmed is a wonderful place to be in because you know you've gotten to the end of your abilities and you need grace. How you respond in those moments determines what kind of life you're going to live continually. You can double down. Come on, amen. The efforts and just... Or you can say, God, I'm going to humble myself. And I know when I do this, you're going to come when I call you. You're going to come when I call you. Because I need you right now. Because I've given my life to you. I've taken it off of myself. And I've given it to you. I, I stopped focusing on my own provision and protection. Trying to get mine. Come on, amen. And I started saying, God, how can you use me to bring glory to your name? To lift up your name. To help you to know Jesus is real. Come on, amen. When's the last time one of us was persecuted for righteousness' sake? Come on, amen. So I was in Mongolia. I, I, we, we, if you don't know what we're doing there, we're, we're helping saving a lot of lives with our this mass we had created. It's poison air over there. It's ridiculous what's going on. It's the most biggest humanitarian crisis in the world right now. And we're the only ones that are bringing a solution into that country right now. And we're Christians. And so we've distributed about 7,000, 8,000 masks, about 7,000 masks this year. We're going to do 10,000 more next year. And, and here's what's, what's going on. It, because people are seeing it. It's on the news. It's on Bloomberg. It's on all these different channels. This black guy <laughs> from America in Mongolia, that's a story. Come on, amen. <laughs> Who's this guy? Why does he care about Mongolia and Mass, and Jess and Chris have been, it is ridiculous what goes on there in that winter months. It is so bad that I had a little crack in my window, little air seepage coming through in my hotel window, and I got sick from just the, the little bit of air was seeping into my hotel room. It's poisoning people. Babies are dying, highest infant mortality rate in the world. Kids are not making it past the age of 12. Most of the people in the whole country have less than a 50% lung capacity. Kids cannot learn because the pollution is so deadly that it's killing the nerve endings in their brain. And they're, they're having cognitive disorders. They can't read. This is real. But we came to Mongolia for one reason. To lift up his name. Amen. To let the people know. That there is a God in heaven who cares about people. You have no idea in America. We have no idea what real hopelessness is. Until you've seen a mom in a hospital with a baby that's fighting for their life because of the air they're breathing. 
And where, how do you get away from that? Where do you go? And the doctor just tells him, baby's not going to live past two years old. Because you breathe the air, got into them, and now the baby has the same problems, and now it's fighting for its life, and there's just no hope. And oh, and by the way, you got three other kids at home. Hopelessness causes people to deny that there is a real God. And when something simple, I got the best job in the world because I get to be the one that brings hope to people in Jesus' name. And you see it right there. Yeah. But the persecution comes, you know, people writing stuff. Why are you doing this? Why are you being religious? You shouldn't be pushing religion. I'm not pushing religion. I'm pushing God. And this is all him. Come on, amen. They ask me, why are you doing this? I says, because God loves Mongolia. And there is a God in heaven he has not forgotten you. And hope comes. It's all grace. Every part of it, I give him the glory. There's no way that I've been able to do what we've done in these nations that we work in. It's all grace. Every moment of it. I am not that smart. I'm not that connected. I'm not that, I'm not that blessed. It's all grace. But it's grace for grace. Grace for grace. I lay down my life. When I get into trouble, God, I need you. And he comes. Come on, Amen. How do we get to this place where it, in these nations where I meet presidents of these nations and have dinner with them and they say, what can we do to cut the red tape? It's grace for grace. He's made, making, making our name great. I didn't ask for it to be great, but how else can we impact these people if they don't know who we are? It's grace for grace. It's grace for grace. And if you thought all this time it's one-sided, you don't get it. <laughs> yes, free gift. No string, no strings attached. Sure. Hallelujah. In the Middle East, it doesn't work that way. In Eastern culture, it doesn't work that way. You give someone a gift, their first thought is, why? What is my obligation here? That's the first thing they think. And so you, if you say, oh, there's no obligation, they'll be like, yeah, right. I guess we'll see each other later, and I'll owe you a favor then. Okay. Because gifts in the culture of Jesus' time didn't come with no strings. Everyone knew it. You didn't have to say it. You didn't have to have a contract with the person, patron. You didn't have to write anything down. You just, they knew. I'll give you this. But if you don't do your part, you're going to come back and there's not going to be anything left for you. There's no more grace, no more cherish for you. Because you didn't do your part. God gives cherish, more cherish to the humble. But he resists the proud. He will not help you. He will love you. Come on, Amen. Oh, my God, please hear this. I have been loved by God and not helped by him many times. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I've been, oh, the presence, oh, the presence, come out of the presence and still got the same problems. Come on, amen. Because God loves us. He's never going to turn his back on us, but that doesn't mean he's going to keep giving cherish. And we need to end the struggle, come on, amen, to end the constant battle of depression, the constant battle of sin, the constant battle in our finances, the constant, constant issues in our life that come from the inner hurts that we have and the pain that we've experienced that everyone around us has to deal with all the time. And everything in us knows that we're not where we should be because of these issues, internal issues, that we cannot seem to pull down the stronghold in our life. We can't address it because you need grace to do that. You need cherish. But how do we get cherished? We've got to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on him and his kingdom. Lift his name and make it great. Come on, amen. And when we do that, he gives more grace. When we do our part and say, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm laying it down. I've given you my whole life. I'm not going to make my life about myself, but I'm going to make it about the kingdom. What can you do for me? I'm not going to keep saying excuse after excuse of why I can't do missions trips and I can't win a soul. I can't take a person out to lunch because I'm so wrapped up in my own stuff, my own protection and provision, but I have no protection or provision for anyone else. I'm under the law. I'm not under grace. So I got to make it happen myself because I'm under the law. I have no time for people. No time for souls. No time for discipling people. I've got my own stuff to deal with. I've got to take care of myself and my own provision and protection. I can't trust you, God. And it spirals us out into more hopelessness. But there is an answer. Cherish. By cherish, you'll be saved. And it's a free gift. Oh, hallelujah. I hope the next time you pray, God, give me grace. You see, the, you see my black face going, hmm. God, give us grace. And you go, oh, there's Pastor, hmm. Sure, it's a free gift. And it gets us to focus again on God's goodness, that he will protect, he will provide. Come on, by his grace, we will be saved. From every situation, every problem. I want you to think for just a minute as we close. Listen, we labor, the Bible says, but we labor under the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15.10, but by the grace of cherish of God, I am what I am. And of his cherish, which was bestowed upon me, not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the cherish of God which was with me. So we work, man. Come on. We work. We labor. Come on. But we labor under the cherish of God. I'm working on myself all the time. And when I hit the walls, I know it's cherish. I labor more abundantly in the nations because of cherish. I get more stuff done because of cherish. And this is the time you want 2019 to be different. This is your year. It could be. Depends on the amount of cherish that begins to flow into your life like never before. Amen. And all I'm asking God for more cherish. Come on, amen. Yeah, amen. 
He's asking for more of my life. I want grace for grace. Come on, amen. I need him to come in a stronger way in my life in 2019. Then what do I do? I have to give him more of my life. Come on, I've got to do more to glorify his name. And he will give me grace no matter what because he's good. He's gracious. But I don't need, I don't need the, the scraps. Come on. I want to walk in the fullness of his grace. Where it's flowing like that dam. It's overtaking me. The grace of God is overtaking our life. And there's so many wonderful things happening. We don't even know how to explain it. It's just the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up with me all over the room now. This is one of those moments where everything can begin to shift. If you'll just begin to shift your thinking away from living under the law, lending under orphan thinking, and begin to live like a real son and daughter and understand that this is a real relationship we have with God. God doesn't need us. God wants us. And we're going to be loved no matter what. So don't make this about love. Come on, amen. You're going to be loved no matter what you do. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to see God's goodness in your life no matter what you do today with this message, with this revelation God's released you. Please understand that. Don't make this out. Well, I don't believe that because God is good. God's good. But you won't have the abundance of grace because you don't understand how Cheris works. He won't give more. He'll give you enough. Come on, amen. To get by, to survive. Come on, amen. Because God's full of Cheris. But of the fullness he has given to us. That means there's no limit to the amount of provision, protection he will give to you. No limit to what he can do with your life. The healing he can bring. The restoration of our broken hearts and our broken souls. And the barriers, the obstacles, physically, naturally, emotionally, and spiritually that we're all facing right now. There is no barrier that can stand in front of the grace of God. He will open the door because that's what patrons do. That's what cherished givers do. So whatever your dreams are that seem to be put on hold, whatever things in your life you feel like right now, this is hard for me to overcome. It's awesome that you finally realize that there's no one that can lay hands on you. There's no one that can preach you into this, that you have to bend the knee to God. And God says, I'll give you more grace because you choose to humble yourself. I'll bring a fullness of it. Come on, every person across the room, lift your hands. This is, this, this, you feel the atmosphere shift because here's what happens. We don't understand that the Father's love is what he wants to bring to us. I believe God releases grace to us because he wants us to know that he's able to be a good father to us. So don't get your eyes upon me. I can't lay hands on you and release grace as much as I want to right now. But it comes when you shift your thinking. Father, as we're here in this room, God, even I, as I stand here, I need more grace for 2019. And 
I know that it's a free gift. Come on, free gift. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to do anything to receive it from you. But God, I thank you that as you give it, I want to go into the marketplace and lift up your name. I want to, Father God, be a person that when you call, I will come. I will do what you need done, God. I will give what you say give. I will go where you say go. I will speak to the people you say speak to. Lord, I thank you that it's grace for grace. Of his fullness we ever see, but it's grace for grace. Father, I thank you that we face difficult situations. Everyone in this room, there's a mountain resistance of things happening. We need God's grace and we need you to come when we call you, Father. We need you to promote us because all the self-promotion has failed. We need you to open doors. We need you to give us favor. We need you, God, to make our name great so that we can in turn make your name great. not be people of an orphan heart, God, orphan thinking. We're only concerned about our own protection, our own provision. Let it not consume us anymore, but Lord, let us be consumed with the kingdom of God. Let us be consumed with the heart of the Father that is about people, about touching lives and helping people. Lord, let us not be consumed with the wrong thing. Cut grace off of Still stay. 